do you think I'm acting free and feeling free? That's what Kanye asked Van, or actually the entire newsroom of TMZ. Van's response, most notably, I actually don't think you're thinking anything. I think what you're doing right now is actually the absence of thought. He said, real world, real life consequences behind everything that you just said. What he said was that slavery was a choice. You all remember when Kanye said slavery was a choice. Well, from that moment on, my friend, guest on today's Naked podcast, Van Lathan, has been using his words to speak for those who can't necessarily speak for themselves, but more importantly, give us a different change, a different perspective, a different breath of fresh air, if you will, in a world of people who think they have something to say. On the podcast, Van Lathan literally is naked. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for us. From the ultimate girl bomb grip to the professional grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girl Bomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb, available at Walgreens. Champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with In a world we're vulnerable, considered weak. Come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite. It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees. So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes. It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific. Life altering events to shape the person that you hear. We got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment. Connect it with us. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Connect it with us. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Naked. Um, so here we go. We have lots to discuss. I, I went on a vacation. I'm going to take two minutes and just tell you what happened before we get to Van. Uh, I went on a vacation and, you know, I could I could complain. So I'm going to complain for five minutes, but I learned a lot about myself. I decided to go to France. That's what I try to do every year when I can. I save up. I make it the best trip ever. I land in France. There is no luggage. My luggage somehow got lost in Amsterdam, and who knows when I'm going to get it. 
They've located it, but if I can find it and get it to me before I leave France? Question mark. I'm here for almost 10 days. No clothes, no toothbrush, no no face wash, no underwear, no bra, no nothing. In France. So I want to feel a way, but I'm like, F it. Settle in. Maybe it'll come, maybe it won't. I got to go shopping, give me some basics. And I'm about to become a full minimalist. Of course, you know, us Americans travel with these big ass bags. I had a huge ass bag, like uh, the size of children. Like I could have put two toddlers in this huge luggage that I had. So I decided to buy one of those European carry-ons where, you know, you can put like a shoe and a sock. And I was like, cool, I'm using this the whole time. I'll move around Europe. I'll buy me some essentials and that's it. And I wanted to see if I could do it. And y'all, guess what? Yes, I did it. And I was like, yo, imagine what two things, two things, biggest takeaways for me. Your attitude changes everything in your life. My homegirl who was with me, I love her. She's hella negative though. And she was like, oh, that sucks. It's awful. It's awful. Some other people we were with were like kind of complaining and belly aching for me. And I said, you guys, I don't want to hear it. I said, I'm trying to stay positive. And if you all remind me how pissed you would be if that happened to you, it's not going to make me feel better. I'm going to tell you one thing about me. The older I get, I hate negative people. I hate negative energy. I do not want to be around it. I nip that shit in the bud right away because no one has the time. My pet peeve is negative energy. If you want to piss me off, be stank around me for no damn reason. Excuse my French. I'm pretty sure they're going to cut some of this out. Cuss and cut. <laughs> Meanwhile, the day before I get ready to leave, they call me and say, we found your luggage. My luggage has arrived at one of my one of my little boutique Parisian hotels that I stay at with my bougie self. And my luggage was waiting for me when I got there on Friday just in time for me to come home on Saturday. <laughs> Coco was like, praise. That's Coco barking, guys. She's she's here as I record. That's my dog. She's like, good, thank you. Yeah, so my luggage was here. Here, there, Europe. I don't know where I am. I, I'm jet lagged right now. Forgive me. Uh, but the lesson is, it's really how you look at life. And with that, I welcome in our next guest, Van Lathan. Uh, you all remember him, I'm sure, most notably from TMZ. He was a black guy on TMZ who always had great things to say, different perspectives, but he made himself known earlier, as I talked about in the pre-roll, when he went at Kanye. Kanye was was saying slavery was a choice. He was having a Kanye moment, which he does often. And he challenged those in the newsroom of TMZ. If y'all don't think I'm a free thinker, tell me. Da, 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 da. And then, like I just read, no, I think what you're doing is actually the absence of thought. You're not a free thinker. You're not thinking by saying slavery was a choice. There are consequences to what you're saying. And and he let him have it. I'm going to estimate a nice minute. But he didn't go off on him. He just was like, come on, man, be better. Think better. Think differently. There are people. These are these are things that you're talking about that really have historical implications. And you're just talking freely. You're not thinking freely. I'm paraphrasing. But since then, I've watched his career grow uh, in different ways. Right. He was no longer at TMZ, I think. You know, they parted ways. That's that's the official way that I'm going to use it. <laughs> and he got his own podcast and he has this this great podcast. But before that, he had been working quietly and behind the scenes on other projects, plenty of projects that I'm sure many of us didn't know about. But he won an Oscar Academy Award winner. Van Lathan is on Naked today. I mean, that to me is amazing. 
a kid from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, who had dreams, all of these dreams that many of you have heard about. You move to a city, you want to see things come through, you want to do different things. And he was able to do it. Two Distant Strangers was amazing. It was a short that won an Oscar. Um, it had Joey Badass in it. It was it was amazing. It really was well done. And I was happy to see that Van was a producer on it. Um, and he gets into it on the podcast. We'll talk about it. And he won an Academy Award. That is something that the average person cannot say. We start off the podcast by talking about his book. He wrote a book. And I kind of said, just in, in passing, everybody's writing a book. But this book was different. Fat, crazy, and tired. Van Lathan is really talking about transformation and being caught up in something or a way of life that you're not necessarily familiar with as toxic or unhealthy. Being caught up in a way of life that you're not so familiar with that is considered toxic or unhealthy. And we get into a lot of different things because we just don't talk about the books. That's what Van does. Uh, but sit back, relax, enjoy it. It's pretty juicy. So I wanted to ask you, moving here from the South, what did you want to do? What was your what was your dream coming to L.A.? Uh, my dream was to write and produce stuff, to be a part of um, my dream was to write, produce television and film, to be in the industry, to be in L.A. and to be viable here. Um, and so. You know, I came out here like pretty wide eyed, but also at a time in my life uh, where I had sort of, you know, if you're from a, a place and you've scouted all the angles, you've looked at all the corners and you're like, I, I need something more. Um, and L.A. provided me with that. So, you know. OK, wait, everyone comes here with a dream and, and the fact that that they're able to do it is different. You've been able to do it mm -hmm. in, in a major way. Oscar winner, if you will. Uh -huh. My old ass dog is running around here looking mm -hmm. at me like, yeah, Oscar winner, uh, if you will. You, you know what I mean? Like, let's just get our, let's get our, I'm sorry, Academy <laughs> Award winning um, journalist, thought provoker, Van Lathan on the podcast. I'm sorry. I, let me get my <laughs> shit together if I'm going to give you a title. Disrespectful in, in every possible way. When did you get the job if you don't mind? Well, let's go, wait, let's go back. Do you mind if we talk about who you are first before we get into? Sure. Your, okay. We can. Hey, I'm you here for the ride. I'm Literally. naked. I'm naked right I, now. I don't have any clothes on. People look at this. They're going to think that I'm naked right I see your chest, I see your chest right and I like it. I like what I'm seeing. Naked. And so everyone knows it. So <laughs> you come to L.A. with this big dream and you've been able to accomplish it all. And you are on a bit of a media tour with your book. And everyone has a book. I think like, and just the way we all have a podcast, everyone doesn't have a book, but everyone has a book or they have something to say. You write a book with what in mind when you decide it's time for your book? Uh, I wrote a book really, I, I wrote a book with eyes directly at Baton Rouge. Like I, everyone laughs and they talk about how much I mentioned Baton Rouge. Um, just growing growing up, when when I grew up there, I we, I just never saw myself. I never saw. It's different now, you know. You got Boosie out there. You got Kevin Gates out there. You got uh, NBA Young Boy out there. There's a presence there, and especially in hip hop and in, uh, in, in, in other walks of life. But uh, I never saw myself, um, and it was 
there are so many things there that are typical to the Black American experience, but so, there's so many things there that are atypical to it too, because the culture is so unique in South Louisiana. So when I wrote this book, it like in writing the book, I wanted to explore who uh, my community made me, right? Um, with love and also with sort of a critical eye, uh, looking at some of the things that make us healthy and unhealthy. Um, and I wanted to talk using my personal experience to all Americans about some of the things that make us healthy and some of the things that make us unhealthy. But it was very important to mm-hmm. do it through the perspective and the purview of where I grew up because I'm just so in love with Louisiana. The book, uh, and by the way, when you explain it in great te- great detail, fat, crazy, and tired, um, explains a lot, right? But if you're just looking at it, fat, crazy, and tired, what do you mean? But you go in, you... I mean, not even painstakingly talk about the food that you ate, how you grew up, what size meant to you, how you didn't know that you were overweight, like you had no idea. And then you and how you then started to to see other ideas of what this was supposed to look like. All of that to me, the way that you explain your 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 weight, your journey with weight, your fight with staying in shape is very articulate and it's very um not necessarily emotional, but introspective. And you never hear men talk about their weight journey like this. Were you at all uncomfortable sharing um, something that I think is just extremely personal? No, um, I think for me, I have a different view of manhood, I think, than, than some men might. I think my view of, of manhood is really being as authentic as possible. Like I had a father in my life and my father would be like, whenever you're hiding something, whenever you're not, Oh, there were things he hid. Don't get me wrong. He, he hid, (laughs) (laughs) he he hid some stuff. But, uh, whenever you're putting off for someone, my dad would be like, okay, well, if it's time to cry, cry. And and then he'd be like, well, who aren't you crying for? Like, are you not crying for the little that's around you? And he's like, I, if you, well, then, you're there, you're trying to, he would always tell me the only standard in your life is me. But I decide, my father would say, I decide when you're a man. I decide when you're grown up. I decide when you're ready for these things. Your only standard in your life is me. So vulnerability is not really that big of a a thing to me because uh, I was taught that there are very specific things that you have to do to be um, an asset to your family, to your community. And if you do those things, you are a man. And so it doesn't matter how you present in the world if you're responsible, dependable, reliable, and emotionally emotionally available and protective. If you're a man, it doesn't matter how much you cry or how much you share with people. That's what makes you a man. And I got that directly from him. Where does that come from? And is he writing a book? I the 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 vulnerability of black men is so rare, and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But it is so rare, but not even is it it's rare. That's why when I'm listening to your book, I'm all like, he has the words to express what he's feeling. And I'm sure therapy has helped with that as well. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between going to therapy, accepting it and learning, and then actually illustrating it in real life for other black men to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's not writing the book because he's dead. But it, 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 oh, it, <laughs> I meant like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, 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 right. right. So that book's not coming anytime. Uh, okay. but, oh, no. <laughs> but but what, what? Are you sure? 
<laughs> you can't write from the grave. You can spiritually write from the grave. Oh, right. Um, but no, I think, and by the way, I'm not saying at all that my relationship with my father was, I write about it in the book. He still, in other ways, was very traumatizing to me. He still had very old school beliefs on sex. He still had very old school beliefs on manhood that didn't jive with this. It's just that he didn't believe in censoring who you were for anyone. And so I think vulnerability was a part of that. When I was a kid, I was prone to crying. Like I was very emotional. I was very inquisitive. I would take on, um, I would take on, uh, I take on all of these concepts that were too big for me. I would think about like nuclear war and uh, existentialism. I would go through all of this stuff, right? When I was, when I was a kid and at certain times my mind would just short circuit and I would just freak out. And my dad would just be like, leave him alone. Like, let him, like, he never once made me feel bad for crying and worrying. He would say that I needed to do maybe a little bit less of it, but he'd be like, leave him, leave him alone. Let him figure it out. I'd rather him give it to us here than give it to somebody out on the street. So I think that vulnerability for, vulnerability for me, I don't think it's, I think I never looked at it as something that I had to be ashamed of. So I've never been ashamed of it. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, but do you see what I'm talking about? Of like, course, don't make doubt. me feel like I'm crazy. No, 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 you're not crazy. But, like, but the thing, but the, thing. yeah, no, it, of course it is. But I think also though that that has to do with people when they feel like there's something to protect. Like for like for me, I never had to worry about whether or not there was somebody. I knew that if you with me, there were uh, repercussions for that. So if we're somewhere and we're out in the street, we're in Gardier Lane, Baton Rouge, Louisiana the bottom, the south, all of these hoods that I grew up in, right? I I know my life is worth something. So I don't need to really act tough with you because if you with me, there's a guy with a gun and he comes to get you. And you know that. Interesting. Right? And so and, and, and so because of that, I only fight when I'm mad. So I don't fight to prove anything to you. I don't fight to prove to you I'm not pussy. I don't fight to, pro- to prove I'm not a bitch. I fight when I want to hurt you. And in that way, my childhood was actually a little liberating. That's fascinating because mm-hmm. there are so many people that I know, especially growing up in LA, but like I know homeboy down the road and he can do this and he can do that. And I call my, I can make a phone call and the situation is different, but they still have a hard time being vulnerable and expressing themselves. Those are mm-hmm. two separate things. Yes, you have safety. Yes, you have protection, but it was still, is, how do you like for your father to let mm-hmm. you be emotional, if you will, whatever that is, right? Whatever that means in a negative or positive connotation to me is liberating to me that oh, is liberating yeah, yeah, yeah. but also like it would it was this thing to where i remember i was on the basketball court one time and there was some of the older guys in the neighborhood were there and we we're across uh Gardier on the other side and i'm playing ball and i didn't know the kids i was playing ball with i was a big kid right and yeah. so being a big kid not just big but tall because i played sports so my weight would fluctuate but i was tall right so if you're tall, they play you like Shaq. How tall are you? I'm six four. So yeah, so if 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 you're like if you're tall, they 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 play you like Shaq. They beat you up, they do all of this stuff. And at one point, I start to get mad. I remember one of the old heads out there say, if he starts crying, y'all be ready to fight. Because everyone knew, like they would call me crybaby. Everyone knew that my emotion would come out on my face and now we gotta go. You know? And it's just like, I think my dad, there was a respect. Now, he never treated me like his equal. There were all kinds of things that were, that was, it was tough to be around him, right? He, 
I would, when I grew taller than him, he would make me sit down before he would talk to him. You know, like sit on the ground. Like he like sit on the ground yeah. while I'm talking. He didn't want me to loom over him and stuff. But so there yeah. were all kinds yeah. of things in, like in in that I had to take from him. Don't get me wrong, but I just never had to worry. I've never at one time in my life can remember feeling something and not feeling like I couldn't express it. And I think, mm. I think if there was, the neighborhood wasn't afraid of my dad, but they respected him. You know what I mean? He would come home with a, with deer all on his back. Like they were enamored with him. Like he had this thing about him, right? Cowboy hat, gun, and come home, you'd see him. With, with deer and a bunch of dogs and he'd have like a something that he skinned on him he was just a different he type of like a real like a real one like you're like yeah. people don't walk down the street with deers on their back yeah. by the way yeah. like, <laughs> like, like they were they didn't fear him you think i think they would if he got deer on his back what do you <laughs> but i just think i just think that I, I think that like it was a there was this thing that he projected and, and to be honest i've never really had this but what i did have was just like a like a knowledge of self and I always just had this thing that I was like, you know, if I'm, then show me. And like, we, one person from my neighborhood that was afraid to fight, literally not one. So all of that stuff was, 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 was like, was besides the point. Um, I do know people who put on airs a little bit and they acted a little bit harder, but it was, all, it always came from an insecurity to me. And I never really had that. First and foremost, the vision of your father with deer on his back with dogs is a beautiful thing to me because, you know, I'm fr- I grew up here. I could never even imagine if we saw that here in L.A. Could you imagine going down Ventura? We see a guy with a deer on his back. We call in the cops, right? We're like, what's going on? This is all this is all odd because of the world we live in. So to say that he was a different man is 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 probably in our in our lifetime for me anyway, is growing up here in L.A. is um, an understatement. But I read this book and I have a, just a new profound, or I listen, because I'm going to be clear, I wasn't reading. I do audible, <laughs> but I listen to the book. So when you think of this book, what is the biggest takeaway? Because I want to tell you how it's been affecting a friend of mine who's a huge fan of yours. What's the biggest takeaway? You wrote this for what reason? To help who do what? Um, I, you know, as insufficient an answer as this is, uh, I wrote this book to exercise some of my own demons. I hope that by casting a wide net and talking about some of the things that that we go through that will help someone. If I had to pinpoint one thing, I just want people to know it's not their fault. Mm. That society um, is a society is this big deal that we've all come together to make, right? We've all come together to make this big deal. That's all it really is. It's like you know, this series of very small little trees that we all take part in to live with each other. But so many of the deals that were made, you didn't have a chance. You didn't have a hand in making them. So many of the trees that were signed, they were signed before you were born. But you're still held to them. And you're, you're raised to be really beholden to a lot of deals that you didn't make. So really being an adult is about figuring out which ones of those to make stronger and which ones of them to burn up. And uh, like a lot of times, you don't find out what you want until it's too late. You know, and a, and a lot of times you just continue to blame yourself for things that aren't your fault. So I think for me, like I would look around at different points in my childhood, different, especially in college, where after college I was really lonely and really wayward, and go like, "Why is this me? Why is this happening to me? Why do I have the anxiety? Why am I four hundred pounds or three seventy or whatever it is? Like, why? Why me?" I look around and see so many people having fun with their lives and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the moment I stopped thinking that there was something cosmically wrong with me, my life started to change. The moment I started to realize that some things were the way they were because of things outside of me, the moment I put my faith in my life into inspiration and something that's that was larger than just like loathing myself, my life started to change. Yeah. And so if there was one thing I would want people to to uh, to take from the book is be gentle with yourself and plant seeds and don't burn down as much as you think you need to, you know? More specifically with you, what is it that you want to burn up? What is the, what is, what have you had to say? That's just not my fault. Cyclical, generational dysfunction. Um, there is this thing, like, my family is full of some of the, my community is full of some of the most talented, the most beautiful, uh, the most amazing people ever. And just nothing happens for them. Mm. They live, they die. I take my parents, for example. My mother is is one of the wisest, most giving women ever, right? I just had COVID, just got over COVID. I'm, be- I'm better now, tested negative, I'm fine. Yay. Um, Yay. But thank, yes. Uh, but I didn't tell my mother that I had COVID. Like she, she, I didn't tell her. I didn't tell my mother that I had COVID. She couldn't, and she can't handle that. That's not going to be a thing. See, what what happens is, uh, is that I'm going to have COVID and I'm going to get better. Right. But in my mom's eyes, she loves so hard and worries so much that the, that the disease would be way worse for her than it would be for me emotionally. And I have to know not to give her that burden, even though I might want to say, hey, mom, what kind of chicken soup should I, so what should I be doing? What should I, even though I want to have that conversation, I know that I can't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it brings me back to what I was saying about my family. My parents, around the age that I am, did something that I couldn't even realize how spectacular it was at the time. We grew up in uh, a specific part of Baton Rouge, but my dad was from Maringwood, which is about 30 miles outside of Baton Rouge going west. I don't know if you've ever been to Baton Rouge before, Karen? I have, I have. Oh, okay, so if you go my over mother, to this... My, side note, my mother was engaged to a man who lived in Baton Rouge, and I remember we went out there when I was like eight years old, so I don't remember much, but yes, that was back in the day. Go on. Mm-hmm. Might have been my dad. You never know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> he, Are we related? He had some things going on that we didn't, I didn't know. Um, <laughs> but... but <laughs> But uh, but no, so you go over the bridge, you go 30 minutes west, Maryland. So he lived the country lifestyle. And obviously, we from a place like BR, we're only one generation moved from people literally coming from country areas around, right? So it was always my, and my parents' goal and in, in, in their life goals to get back to a place to where we had some land. We did that. We built this big, big house out in Zachary on about 35, 40 acres. Um, we had a barn. We had a pond. We have four horses, 13 dogs, uh, wow. and three-wheeler. All of this stuff, it was great. They built the life that they wanted. It lasted for about three years. I'd mm. say we got out there, oh, five years. We got out there in 98. By 2002, they were divorced. She had moved back in with her mother. Um, mm. And the hurricane came a little bit longer, a little bit after that put something through the home. After that, dad couldn't afford to keep it. They foreclosed on the house. You go there now, it looks completely different, right? 
that very thing right there is my life's goal to stop. My life's goal is to build something lasting that generations can build on. When my father died last year, he died by himself. Some woman that I'd never met before is the woman that took my father to the hospital. Um, and I got a DM on Instagram that said, hey, you don't know me, but I'm your dad's girlfriend. I just dropped him off at the hospital. You might want to kind of figure out what's going on with him. I'm not blaming her. But what I'm saying is the fact that in so many places where I come from, families can't grow generationally over time. There's nothing to show for these lives and these people that work their asses off, right? Because the demons and the trauma that affect them uh, just seem to destroy and disintegrate everything. My life's goal is to stop that. My life's goal is to build something that the people around me can pick off of and see uh, that it meant something. Because to me, family is more than a name. It's more than a reputation. It's what this group of black people have been able over the generations to come together and create. And because of alcoholism, because of incarceration, because of drug abuse, uh, yeah. because of philandering, because of all of those things, we just haven't been able to do it. And so I would like to change that. I salute you for that because that's a beautiful, so such a self-aware assessment um, and I don't want to get into the verses, but I, but I, but I often do that because <laughs> I, I often feel that there is a lack of very bold and loud love from black men about what it should look like, about what they should be committed to. Now, now, with that being said, every time I mention that to a black man who's doing what he's doing, he's like, no, because this, this, and women are this, like there was always this argument over Kevin Samuels. And I feel like there's an all-out assault on Black love. I feel like Black men and women are so at, at odds currently. And if you're, if you're in a relationship, you may not see it. But it, I feel like we're so at odds. And there's always, but what about when y'all, and what about when y'all from both sides, right? And there's just so much trauma, as you talked about, this cyclical trauma that we have, this generational trauma that we haven't decided to even understand or unpack why we think and feel that way. So... I uh, salute you for being like on the front lines to discuss it because in my opinion, it's rare and I don't see it a lot. I see it. I see it with Char. I see it with our friend Char. I see it with, but I don't see a lot of it. And I don't see a lot of black men standing up for us and having our backs as boldly as, as, as I think we should see. Cause you know, there's, there's a contingent of black women who feel like we always are doing that. Now, what is your take on that? Because black women feel like we always taking care of y'all. We always on the front lines. We always marching. We always trying to end generational curses to be told that we're not good enough or we are too demanding um, or we are too so, this or too that. Yeah. So this is the way I look at that. Um, number one, it's interesting what uh, a, a, an experiment like America will do to a group, right? We should be treating each other with more grace, but we treat each other with less grace. Because what we re- what we realize, what America has Correct. has really hammered home to black people is they don't take you know they don't take from everybody else a little bit of shit because they know a little bit of shit they, have, they don't take from them. So you us. know you know who else don't take from them? They just don't take nope. from them. All right. Um. So <laughs> we, we we don't we don't right. And we so don't. I think that we don't in an all out conversation between black women and black men black men are going to make some points 
and black women are going to make some points. And on each side, there are going to be some valid points. The question is, what is the point? It's not whether or not you have a point about what you think or whether or not I have a point. The, the, what is the point? Is the point? Are we having point? this conversation so we can understand how to love each other better? Or are we having this conversation so that I can prove I'm better than Correct. you and you can prove that you're better than me? If you ask me personally, I think that there's a debt that black men owe to black women Correct. just because the reality is a lot of the households that I've seen growing up, uh, besides my own, didn't have fathers that were right there every single day. I wasn't in those households. I don't know how it worked. All I know is that I knew a lot of guys that didn't see their dads all the time, right? Yeah. And so you certainly can't come back, and this is just common sense, right? If you see a lot of mothers doing all of this stuff by themselves, right, you certainly can't come back and render too much judgment on the way that they live their lives, right? Or some of the things that might be going on with them because, you know, there's a, there's a, if we're talking about community in the whole that we want it to be, there's a debt that would be paid and the debt that has to be owed. Having said that, all this social media stuff is changing our perceptions about what's valuable. And everybody has to be responsible for what it is that they think is valuable, right? Like men have to be responsible for being able to go out and procure the type of woman that they think that they want, right? And women are the same. And vice versa. And vice versa. But my point by saying all of this is, do you love your sisters? Do you love your brothers? If you have that, if you have the, if you want to see black women uh, protected, exalted, and valued, you'll find a way. If you want to see black men protected and valued, you'll find a way. Hey, everybody, you know what time it is. got to pay some bills. If you want to fast forward through that part, I totally get it, but I need y'all to stick around. Back in a moment with more Van on Naked. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with Are you all about the NBA action? You've got to try Pick 6, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code TBE. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like, will they score more or less than 30 points or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code TBE. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex... Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Every 
champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion. They girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, get naked with Welcome back. If you listen to the commercials, you're a saint and you really love me. No, seriously, you really do. Van Lathan on Naked. We got to go to the genesis. The reality is, is you're right. Sometimes we're arguing to figure out who's right or who's wrong. But in, at the end of the day, it's the actual education of understanding what it looks like to value. And if it's not mirrored, if it's not understood, if you don't see the vision of it, it's hard for you to illustrate it or replicate it in every in every possible way. To your original point, black women have to been the, the, the breadwinners if you are in the home. And I'm not saying that with a like uh, a badge of honor. I don't I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the only one in here hustling. But there is something and I know I know society plays into this as well, but there is something which is why I say to you, I I find myself saying to you, I'm grateful for your honesty and you being able to express yourself and you using your platform to highlight things. And I don't always agree with what you say. That is that's neither here nor there. But the overall messaging the overall messaging is like, I see a black man really doing the work. And that is such a beautiful, encouraging thing to me. We need to stick together. We need to have each other's back. That's all it is the, at the end of the day. And I don't see that. That's what makes me sad. But that's what I say that I love about you. Why don't you see that, though? Because I, I see it a lot. Oh, tell me where you see like, it. Where, like, it, where, are you, where, are you, where are you looking? Oh, well, I see it in my... You know what I mean? Because... I, I, go, I know you go. Yeah. So I'm so this is what I'm saying. So like a lot of the things that we're talking about, they're real, but sometimes they can be overstated. Like I know, so look, the absent black father is a thing, but not like they say. They who you know what I mean? They like who? not like they say. They the white man? They the white people? Fox, Fox News and white okay, people. Okay, okay. Yeah, not like they say. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like they say. Some of these things are unconventional, some of these things are different. And for me, I look around. And I look at my homies who were in the world. You won't find a, a worse group. I'm, I'm, like, like I you. agree. <laughs> I agree. But you don't think that's a group? Now, I agree. Because I know some of your friends. I agree. So <laughs> what I'm saying is birds of the feather truly flock together. If, if, if I hear, this is what I hear. Here's what I'm hearing when I'm out in the streets or we do these interviews or we talk to different people. And if I have a, a conversation off the record with a, a black man of note, with success, with, with value, with the platform like you do, and, I, and like I said, I'm not including you or the homies in it, but I always, this is what I always hear. Well, black women always want something. They 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 always shoot and they shot, and they they always expect this. And they really look at them. They should look at themselves because, you know, they don't do. And it's usually down to vanity. It's what was the aesthetic is like. She's not in shape. She don't work out, but she want a man that's you know make six figures or just stupid. That to me that doesn't even matter. But matters to you all because aesthetics are very important. And I believe with, and this is not a blanket statement, but black men. You just have, jumped right over what the pu- purpose of that was, though. Wait, go ahead. Tell me. What did I jump over? So, aesthetics, right? So, there's a guy that's feeling used because he mentioned money. Well, that, so that, okay, he, good. So, this is so, great. Let's get into this because let's talk about the money so let's get in, let's, into the aesthetic. Go ahead. Well, well, well go let's, ahead. let's talk about it. So there's a guy that's saying, like, there's a guy that's saying, he didn't just say, oh, he said, black women want a man that makes this much money, but they're not willing to do this. Well, I mean, 
That's nothing but facts, right? I mean, I'm being for real with you. I, like, no, wait, wait, no wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second, no wait a second. Wait, wait a second, wait a, wait a second, wait a second. Here's <laughs> no. the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. If if you if you're out in the world and you're being open to the universe, right? I'm with you. And to the love, speak and, my language. And you're being open to the universe. Yes. And and love comes to you. That's fine. But if you go out there and you put a bunch of standards, not standards. Standards are what you have to ask. If you put a bunch of qualifications, yeah, requirements, sure. then it is completely natural that there should be requirements coming in the other way. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 all right. So I absolutely. Can, can I say something? Can I say something? And it works both ways, right? So I, I'll start with the women. Uh-huh. Like all I hear consists of like black women. If I tell you, and maybe it's the world that I live in and work in. If I hear black women don't work out and, 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 Look at you. You giggling because you know that's what is being said. Not, yeah, they, they, I, I, even, even that, I don't see that. I live in Los Angeles. Every, all I see but is workout. You act like this argument hasn't been told out. to you before. Has, has this argument been said to you like, I like her, but she needs to get in shape. If I hear something about a black woman doesn't work out or I like her all natural or I like, and I'm not even, and by the way, this isn't coming from a woman that is unattractive and not in shape. I'm not referring to me, but I, what I hear that when I hear this, I'm all like, look at you, you got a, you got a belly, your head not shaped right. Why you, you can see, a, I hear men meet a background, but, ah, the way her left toe moves, it's just, I, I don't know. Oh, that's just a, yeah, that's, that's, that is like, I, that's a funny thing about men. Correct. Like, a funny thing about men is the. It, that's just a funny thing about men. A funny that's thing not about funny. It's annoying. Like, Go ahead and tell me. Tell me why is it, it funny? A funny thing about uh, <laughs> a funny thing about men is to like listen to men like critique Halle Berry and stuff. It's like, like, that. What? like I don't really put her like that. I'm like, who? Hey, who, 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 who is she? Like, how you <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, yeah. How you or, that, that's my favorite. But 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 I was but I. But I'll but I say this, though. In L.A., though, I remember it's like if you go into a club and the guy can't buy bottles, if you don't drive certain cars, these men feel like they're scrutinized in a very specific way, too. And then on, on Instagram and all of this stuff is different. All of these guys that you know, Carrie, you want to be honest with you? They're Rich. <laughs> so being so 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 being that they're rich. Wait, time out. Time out. I love this conversation. <laughs> Listen, all the women I also know have changed as well, right? So if I, I do. present, but no, I'm gonna say this: I present a bad woman, a whole package. A guy's not worried. A black man with money. And I'm not going to say all black men, but black men of a certain means uh, who have because there's so because because when you guys get to this level, there's so few of you, you know it, you know it and you walk like it and you carry it and, it and you weaponize it in a lot of in a lot of instances, not most, but in a lot of instances. Sure. Not in all, right? yeah. And when I say, yeah. oh, I got a friend, she's bad. She's a whole package. She got money. She work out. She's this. She's that. Ah, it's just not my type because she doesn't look like what they think they should be with because they got a little bit of change. Like, it, that's just crazy to me. We are far more, women are far more smarter in the way they choose their mate. Y'all all right here, right? She could be dumb as all get are out. You being, uh, are, do you? Do you? She's on fries and you true. don't even care. I, I don't, wait, 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 wait. I don't think that's true at all. What? I think women get the picture first. Like, let's take it like, like, like Sierra, right? Okay. 
let's take Sierra and Russell Wilson, okay, right? Let's take, they let's... got a perfect little they got a perfect little marriage, right? Russell is the Russell is the picture perfect husband, right? For what we know, picture sure. perfect husband, perfect sure. little marriage. Sure. How many stops at Boy Mansion? She did made Sierra a ton. Make? She made a ton. So don't tell me we're better. Don't don't say women are better at choosing mates. Like, like, I'm telling you right now, I don't know. I don't know. Sierra had to. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. What you're seeing, yeah, she did make. She was dating a bunch of boys. You're right. But what you're also seeing is women who we naturally feel like we can help you, and we want to help change you, and we want to help grow you. It's not so much about what you're not at that moment. It's what we can see. And I'm sure she thought when she was first with old boy Future, for instance. She decided to have a baby with him. This is it. This is it. I can see who he's going to be. I'm going to grow with him. I'm da 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 da. They break up, and how does he be? How many? How, how many children? How many children in the future have at this point? Listen, she saw that he loved. So, 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 so by the way, no, you're by right. The way, no, not, you're right. No, you're absolutely well, I'm, right. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, right. saying is the, the 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 like future. They need love too. I'm not taking anything away. Like I know a lot of guys who have been future. So I'm not taking anything away from future. I don't have any problem. Y'all, y'all don't like future. Future is a, a certain way. No That's fine. Know. What I'm saying is this. What I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. I don't think either side is great at choosing mates because you don't mm. choose a mate. Ma- a mate chooses you. As long as like as 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 long as you are open, are open. Like I, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. That's not true. Yeah. Yes. But then you're talking about an elevated sense of consciousness that just doesn't exist in a community where men have been taught to hold their feelings back and not express themselves. You are talking about being open to love and it will come and find you. So you're saying you're operating like people are operating like that in our culture. And that as the collective, I just don't think that that's true on both sides. I think that they're saying that they're not but they're going back home and somebody is getting them right. I think that they, I think I, I, one thing that women don't, if I was to say there was one thing that women don't understand is that men, we are, I'm, I'm with these guys. I know how they act. I know what the deal is. I know why they act out. I know why they do certain things. They talk a lot of shit. But what they want is to be loved. Mm-hmm. No man that I know is with the baddest woman that they've ever been with. Interesting. I am, but no man. <laughs> but, but, but like, but but, but 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 no man that I know is with the baddest woman they've ever been with. They're not. Mm-hmm. They're like not that. I, not that I know of. Now look, I'm also I don't hang out with these rappers, and I don't be in these different situations. Like whatever. None of that. Like, it, it, like people exist on certain wavelengths. I think a lot of this Twitter conversation, all of this back and forth, I think it's for people's entertainment. Sure. And I'll be honest sure. with you, I think that our parents and grandparents probably had these same types of no. conversations. No. Oh, you should marry. No. You should marry Mr. Johnny's well, son. He owns his own store. Sure, don't marry that boy. But things have you should, like, you, I think I think this has always been a thing. No, but options have changed. Here's the thing: I read this New York Times article the other day. Your girl has sent it to me probably three months ago. Not that it means anything, but it gave me a very interesting perspective. Women don't have to, to although they want it. 
God made it made it so that men and women should be together and procreate, right? That's just our, our natural instinct and that's what we should have. But the day of settling and being with somebody, even if they're a jerk and aren't doing well, and he's the only person that can work in the family, those days are over. My grandmother or my great-grandmother never had an option. She had to marry Johnny's little boy because she need, she. <laughs> she had to marry Johnny's little boy because she had no choice, because she had to do what she had to do because she couldn't make ends meet for herself or by herself to support a family. So a lot of women married men out of obligation. You know that. We've, we have come so far from that moment now. And now that women are, I got my own and I don't need and I don't need and I got my own, it really is hard for the two to meet, especially in our culture, I think. So you're talking about a group of men that you're around. I just feel like you guys are a special sect. And you're right at the end of the day, everybody wants to be loved, but you're a special sect. I think so, you... So let me tell you... Go ahead. Uh, let me tell you... Tell I me think, about I men, because I, I don't think, know. I think, choice is a, I think choice is about a matrix, right? I think choice is about the choice matrix, right? Like you... Like choice is about... Okay, so like growing up where I grew up, right? It was like, oh, God damn, don't deal drugs, right? It's easy, don't deal drugs, right? Well, what if dealing drugs is on the table, right? If dealing drugs is on the table, if that's like a viable thing to do, it's actually not so easy not to do it because it's actually a choice, right? If you grew up in another place, it's not even on the table. Like like if, if, if you grew up maybe in, I don't know, in Bocage or someplace across town, no one even thinks that you're going to deal drugs. You don't You don't run with drug dealers. It's not a choice, right? So this is, why, this is how I look at what you're saying right now. I see a lot of girls in Dubai. They go to Dubai. <laughs> we know that they didn't go to Dubai. Okay. We know that someone sent them to Dubai. <laughs> sure, it's their choice whether or not to go to Dubai, but it's actually not a choice because if they want to go to Dubai, there are certain things they have to do. Correct. And, th- and for some people, <laughs> if you want to live a certain lifestyle, if you want to live a certain lifestyle, if you're enamored with a certain lifestyle, male or female, there are certain things you have to do. Okay. And so, and so to me, I look, I look at, it's kind of like what it is that people want. I think if you want love and connection, you can find that anywhere. If you want to go to live, it's only a couple niggas that can take you there. So then you, so you need to, you need, like you need to, you need to find those guys this- and kind of figure out. How are you going to get next to one? Whenever I have this conversation, it ultimately deteriorates into who has a bag. Women want a guy with a bag and men want a bad bitch. These conversations only deteriorate to this. The bitch want the nigga with all the money and the dude want the baddest bitch in the game. I can never have this conversation. And then when someone comes in and says, well, no, that's just not true because Here's what's happening. I think what you're telling me and what I'm hearing is that there's a certain, uh, you're like in my circle, Carrie, that doesn't exist. I don't know what you're talking about. Black men are emotional. They talk about their feelings, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, actually, no, I don't see that. So you see that. And then I ultimately hear, but these girls are out here big chasing a bag, only dating guys who can take them to Dubai. They want to be on a PJ, blah, 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 blah. I feel like the girls I know, the small spectrum. You know what I'm saying? I don't know any girls like that, but I always... I always hear that. I don't know women like that. Everybody I know is busting balls and working hard and doing it on their own and figuring it out and looking for love in the process, right? Whether or if they're with their mate trying to win for their mate too. I don't know that world. So I think what's happening is that because of social media, we we are really 
blinded by what it is. Like we just, it's, it's, it's so confusing and mucky and muddy. And you say, I want to go back to this point. And not real. Like, it's not real life. It's not real life. But I know men are motivated by getting money because they think they can have women. I know men are like, when they get money, they are ageless. They are weightless. They are whatever it is. (laughs) Belly, bald, 2,000 years old. If I got bread, I don't care. And to me, a lot of that is a motivating factor with a lot of men because they want to live this life with the, you say they will love, but I feel like I see this all like, oh, I want bread, I want bread, I want money because I know I'm going to have women. Literally. Am I wrong? Is that nope, wrong? You're not, but I do see- think, but I, I, you're not, but I, but I do think this though. <laughs> you're not wrong at all. But I, this is the only thing I'll say. Number one, it's not, it's not, so this is an argument I have with men about women. When I was in college, Nick Nick Saban was the coach at LSU. I remember a friend of ours, very beautiful woman, who was like our same age, that said she was attracted to Nick Saban. And Mm -hmm. we, at at this point, we all looked at at Nick Saban. Remember, we're 22, 23 years old. We all looked at Nick Saban. We're like, what the fuck are you talking about? She's like, "Uh, no, she's like, I'm attracted to Nick Saban. Nick Saban's an attractive guy. And I'm like, why would Nick Saban be attractive? Correct. And what she was talking about, and this is a this is a difference, where there were things about Coach Saban that were attractive to her. Didn't have anything to do necessarily with how he looked. How he looked wasn't just enough of a distraction to take away from the fact that he was assertive, the fact that he was a leader, the fact that he was secure, the fact that he seemed like a protector, all kinds of things that women would actually yep. be attracted yep. to a man. The same reason why some women were attracted to Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was handsome for a president. You know what I mean? Oh, Bill Clinton was doing his thing. But the power. The power. Star of stars. I just saw him the other night. You ain't got to tell me. Right. Okay, cool. That doesn't exist for, like, men. So that's the thing. Like, men don't look at, like, uh, like I don't know, um, uh, Angela Merkel from Germany and be like, shit, god damn, she runs all of Germany. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that doesn't exist. Like, so it, it, the, the edicts are different, right? And so what I'm saying is when women, like, I, I think sometimes we talk past each other. When women are saying that, like, they're attracted to maybe like a DJ Khaled, they're really attracted to him. It's not that the, they're attracted to him because of the money. It's that the money makes Correct. him attractive. See, and I think sometimes people get that confused. It's not, it's not like, hey, I'm attracted to him because he's, no, the money and the fact that he could do anything that he wants. He lives a carefree lifestyle. He can take sure. care of you. He's a provider. Sure. He's sure. confident. All the sure. things sometimes that money makes sure. you, for some people, not everyone, that makes that person mm-hmm. attractive. And for men, it's just very, a, a lot of times, a lot of times, normally when you're younger, it's very biological. But if you allow yourself to be open, you know that as a man, you need a companion. You need someone who can listen. You need someone who you can nurture, who can nurture you. You need someone who actually is a plus to your life. A lot of these guys that's running around and still chasing after it after all of this time, it's because they're searching for something. And just because of the patriarchy Mm -hmm. that we live in, those guys can do more damage than women can. Mm-hmm. They can like they can they can do more damage because the reality is 
if you were, I don't know, whoever, your puff, like puff is dating young Miami, shout out to puff, that's my man. That girl's like 27 years old, right? And he's, and it's mm-hmm. at, at this point in his life right now, it's never going to be whack for puff to date a 27 year old girl. It's never going to be whack for Why? a guy like that. To Why? Because that's just the way that, that to me, it's not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I'm looking at it that way. What I'm saying is just in the world, that's kind of a thing. Like he's rich. He's, he can, he can afford it. And people are going to be like, and he still looks great. If you're a 52 year old guy that works at the post office, you're a lot different than if you're a Sean Cohen. Sure. For sure. For sure. Right. So like when, when I'm trying to, This is what I want people to come to terms with. I want people to come to terms with what it is that they're attracted to. If the reality is, is like come to terms with it and just be okay with it. Everybody stop bellyaching about what it is. Here's the thing. We talked about future earlier. We are bullshitting. We know why women are attracted to future. Future is good looking. Future is successful. Future is talented. Future has a bad boy aura that you guys do. We know why women are attracted to future. It is the same reason why women have been attracted to futures since the beginning of time, right? We know why women are attracted to future. We get it. We understand it. What's wrong so, with future? Let's What's wrong with future? Because you called him a fuck nothing. boy. What's wrong with him? Nothing. He, what, what I'm saying is I don't think necessarily that future is a fuck boy. I think he's the poster. Why? So when I'm like, because he's got a lot of kids with a lot of different ladies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he does amazingly inappropriate things like the I'm good, love, enjoy text and all of that stuff. So I think that I personally, I don't think that he's a bad dude, but I think that I, 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 I think that if you, if people were to put Fuckboy boy on a deal and look at somebody, it would be future. And that's not to say that we haven't all been futures at one time because we definitely have. But what I'm saying is that he is somebody who lives in it and embraces it. And if you were, if 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 Russell Wilson would be the square, then Future would definitely have to play the fuck boy route. And so, and if if a fuck boy is somebody who just fucks you and is not serious about anything and will do whatever or whatever, that's kind of who he would be. All I'm saying is that that's who he is. His persona that's an aphrodisiac to a You're right. Women. No, you're right. And by the way, you're right. And so when I, and a lot of things that you're saying, I'm like, no, that's not true. But that's, I'm referring to myself. And and this is when you say, I'm getting some Jack and Jill. I'm like, you're just so funny. I'm so damn hood. I'm glad you're getting Jack and Jill. I'm glad you think I'm refined. But it, it it's not, it's, oh. it, it, but the reality is, is what you're saying is, I, I hear you. You're correct. And and where you grew up, Carisha's were the shit. And there's nothing wrong with a Carisha and a Diddy. That is the society in which we live in and they are together and f- whatever that means, right? Together, whatever that means, right? Because, right? I mean, we know. Right. And and I felt like, and it wasn't like, it's, it's coming off like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It's what so I, It's so shady. <laughs> what I say? what I do? Gary! What did I what I say? I did is what are you this talking about? Are you, my point being is is that we should not bellyache and we should not complain. We should be honest about what we're attracted to and we should be unapologetic in that. You are correct. 
You are. You are. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you for yeah. therapy. Thank you for getting me all together. You got me all together. You're right. I need to be honest because if someone, if I start saying what I'm attracted to, somebody would be like, you sound stupid. Like, that's crazy. That's not realistic. That's not a real world, right? If I, or the men that I've dated, that's not realistic. That's not real world. I get it. So I understand what you're saying. 100%. Can I ask you a question though? Like serious, yes. a serious question. Like, like power is attractive, right? Like power is attractive. 1000%. The way you described old girl liking Nick Saban was perfectly to yeah. it. And by the way, as a younger man, I couldn't understand it. I'm like, uh, you like him because he makes like, at that time, he's, we were getting him cheap. He makes $3 million as the head coach of LSU football. That's why you like him. She's like, uh, no, he's the most powerful man in the state. Like, that's why I like him. And I'm like, that's real. And that's, and, and I, 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 I was real. telling the the people at, at like, at TMZ this one time. And I was like, uh, and this is a crude way to put this. So excuse all of everybody's ears. I was like, they were saying, they were talking about some model and they were like, she's with this, because um, a lot of times these Victoria's Secret models, some of the Victoria's Secret models, you'll go and you'll never hear from them again. And then you'll find out, oh, well, they're married to the head, the uh -huh. shipping magnet or whatever. The billionaire. The billionaire yeah, guy, exactly. Yeah. Right. And so we're on, so we're, we're on the show and we're talking about this. And it's like, and you go, she married him for his money. And I was like, it depends on what you mean by that. And he goes, what? I was like, if you're saying that every night they go to bed, and she, her skin crawls when he touches her and she grins and bears of her entire life because of money, then the way you're talking about it is wrong. What I'm telling you right now, what I believe is that he picks her up on a private jet. He takes her to the South of France. They chill. She sees him make a million business deals a day. She sees the way Sorry, yeah. people react to him and her pussy gets wet. Mm -hmm. Like legitimately, one hundred percent. Like, like, one hundred percent. Legitimately, one hundred. Like, she doesn't have to. She have to like. She doesn't have to bite down for it. Like, it legitimately happens. And if that's the yeah. case, the money is just an attribute to who he was. Now, I'm sure he could be like a terrible guy and turn her off. He's mean to dogs, mean to kids, and that would be one thing. But like beyond that, that's like a real thing. And so, if that's a real thing, then. Being attracted to some, some chick that's like in Maxim magazine, it's kind of like the same thing. She has bio okay. she has biologically the shit that you see that you like. Your brain takes over and you go, I like her. Maxim magazine wouldn't be the magazine. That is the most honestly, I'm not being funny. That is probably the most fair way to describe what it is. And and there's no excuse around it. And somebody like me who tries to be like, I'm highbrow. You're right. Power is attractive. And I and I want to see somebody out there moving and making deals and ambitious because that's attractive. That is attractive. Somebody going out there to get it is attractive. I will add this caveat. No one will believe it. You don't have to be a billionaire. That's true. You don't have to have yeah, a yeah. private jet. You don't have. But if I see you out here hustling and get it and I see people, you're you're you own a, a convenience store and your employees react to you in a certain way. I'm like, that's attractive. Yeah. Like my point is, is that it doesn't have to be at that magnitude. True. And and oftentimes I think men can sometimes be delusional about this part of it. Right. Because it's all aesthetics for men, to be honest, Like, because when you <laughs> see and women, too, women, too. Women too, but a woman is more willing. A guy ain't gonna date a woman because she's powerful and and people react to her a certain way. Some guys will, because I think guys are groupies as well. But like, if she got a belly, like a woman doesn't believe because she's successful she can be ageless. 
because she's successful, she can have a belly. Mm. Because she's successful and the people react to her and she's famous that she can just be like, I'm just here. We don't believe that works in our favor. Correct? Carrie, Am I wrong? Carrie, you're so right. I, I mean, I don't think, that you, I, I think you're right. I, but I, I got to be honest with you. This is. Be honest with me. Let me have this it. This is fascinating. <laughs> I like. Because I have the- because okay, be, it, this is fascinating. It's fascinating because, look, I remember the first time I, I met you. I'm like, oh, shit, that's like Carrie Champion. Like, I wake up, I watch fucking Sports Center's Carrie Champion. Like, the whole fucking time, it's like you're in so many. Like, we, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. When, when somebody's at ESPN, you don't get a chance to, like, really talk to them and, like, mm-hmm. and get their worldview. And this is, this is fascinating to hear why is it fascinating to you because i wouldn't think that i would think that we would talk about the 76ers or something like that i don't know (laughs) (laughs) can i say something sure can i say something so i've been thinking about doing a podcast about relationships you should and i will say this I all and I've been looking for a counterpart who will go toe to toe to me because I feel like and I will say this ca- caveat if someone's listening I'm dating I'm happy I'm in a really good relationship mm-hmm. but I do feel like there are so many of my friends who are going through this battle every single day and then of course I'm around a bunch of athletes and the shit that they like and the shit that they do is so ridiculous and in my mind I'm like are you really you about to have ten babies you about to have ten babies with three different women well, see, or it's just like I implore you to what? not count them. Because that's such a that's such an unrealistic view of how it happens. Like those guys are because it doesn't happen that way. Yeah, that's those, not realistic. Those guys are little okay. unicorns that throughout their whole life have been told that they're special, and because they are, right? It's like it, you can't right. like those. I, I understand that because like it, and 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 L A will do that. L A will do that to you as well because you're in. When I'm in Baton Rouge, right, we all go into the club. We all go in there. We dance till we sweaty. We come out of the club dripping red, wet and sweat. You go into you go into a club in LA and you look around and it's like, yo, it's really rich niggas in here. Like it's like they are really rich. Like they're not playing. Uh-huh. These are these are not the dope dealers off your block or the guys that are the. And, and where I'm from, the dudes that promoted yeah, the right. parties were the dudes that had the most money. To be honest with you, you know what I mean. But here, especially back like before, like I walk in the club and see fucking Kevin Durant in there. You you start to yeah. think to yourself, well, yeah. what the fuck am I supposed to do? You know, like in the old days, you start to think. No, to you're yourself, right. You start to think to yourself, well, what the hell is going on in here? I first got when I first got to LA, the first couple of years I was out here, I, like I'm, I I I look and I see, God damn, this fucking Leonardo DiCaprio's like at uh, the Sky Bar, like. Mm-hmm. And it's like a line, it's like a line, like a photo booth to meet him. So you're talking about somebody who grew up here. So if I see George Clooney at Starbucks, I'm like, that's really George Clooney at Starbucks, like in college. I thought that's George Clooney. See, that's There's different from, that, that's different for me. And so, Correct. but like I, Correct. when I go back home, sometimes black people just meet, fucking get married. It just, it, it, that's it. it. it, it so sometimes they just meet. It's much more simple. It's married. much more easy. Yeah, and you're that's but that's what I was started off when I talked about your book. I was like, your mentality is very different, even though you've been indoctrinated into this Hollywood world. Your mentality is very different. Very different. Very different. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest. Greatest.
Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of the Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. Can make it work. I have to say this, okay? So this is, I know you thought I was going to talk about sports. But I have been a fan since TMZ, and people often ask you about that moment mm-hmm. when you left, or when what you know when you I don't know the y'all, y'all broke up. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't know if I do you want me to say, say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, it's fine. Uh-huh. So you get fired, and the first thing I thought was, what a horrible, what a horrible loss for TMZ. What a horrible loss for TMZ, but also what a wonderful opportunity for him to make his way and to to use his platform to share his message because they kind of got in the way, if I'm being honest. You don't necessarily need that type of platform to, tell, to give your message. And I've watched you, and I don't say anything, but I quietly watch you, and I think, he's doing it, and I, and I love it because you're in spite of. Did you ever think that you would be at a point in your career where your opinion mattered, where people would wake up and look to see what you're tweeting or saying or what your podcast is saying? And I'm saying this from someone who here, the woman who does my makeup, she's like, I was listening to Van. I'm like, well, if you keep telling me about Van, <laughs> like Van said this today and it's gospel for her. Mm. My best friend who who loved your book, who battles with her weight. Mm. Oh, is this gospel for me? Did you ever think that you would be in this position? Um, from when you left TMZ or when you got fired from TMZ to where we are now, do you ever feel like this was the vision? No, not really. Because I think that um, that when I speak and I say stuff, it's, it feels like stuff that I have to say. Like I, I was one of those people that would just be, I remember it being in the sixth grade and this politician came to uh, to our school and he's talking. I just remember sitting there arrested. Like I have to be able to say something. I have to say something. I have to say something. It's almost like an anxiety, like a response. I have to say something. And so I never really uh, thought that it would be, and I think most people that like, obviously Charlamagne is like that. Charlamagne just, like he'll call you up and rant for like two hours because- He'd be hot. <laughs> yeah, like over some, like he'll, like he'll call you up and rant for like two hours because 
he really has shit he has to get off his chest and he like has a, a platform to do it. So I never really thought that. And to be honest with you, being at TMZ for as long as I was, it was like uh, it was like for a time I thought that the reputation of the of the of the platform would be an albatross around my neck that I would never be able to shake free of. And if if it's um. if anything, that is the the divine work of the Kanye West moment. The divine work of the Kanye West moment, it was almost like uh God saying to me, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to show people who you really are. Whether or not you take it is on mm. you. Like I'm gonna give you an opportunity, even beyond all of this other stuff. I had great relationships with people. I was able to meet a, a bunch of people. Most people that watched the show liked me. I was the man there already. But it was like, like with him walking in there, it was like, I'm gonna give you one moment to show people who you really are. And mm. that can get you, that can change the perception of you. And I think uh it was it was luck that that it happened that way but i also think it was divine timing uh that i like i met the moment so that's why like no matter what happens it's like with as much work as you've done in your in your career i I bet that there's a part of you that believes that being prepared for whatever opportunity might come to you correct is probably the most important thing like at some point you're gonna get that shot the point is whether or not you're prepared I would show up to work every day. I would work the holidays at TMZ to get more camera time. Whatever I could do mm-hmm. to stretch my legs mm-hmm. there, to make me a fixture there, I would. So by the time something like that happens, I'm ready for it. Did you, do you think you're a celebrity? Now? Um, yes. I think, I think I'm people's homeboy. I think I'm a, I think I'm a popular friend. I, I think Brad Pitt is a celebrity. I think I think when people when people when people come up to me, they're like they want to talk. I think that's amazing. Like they want to talk. Like people respond to me from the stuff that I do on the Ringer, from the podcast I've reached. No matter what I'm talking about, whether it's Star Wars or whatever, they want to have a conversation with me. They want to engage with me. I think being a celebrity is vastly vastly overrated, and I think that my time at TMZ has driven that home more than anything. I think there are celebrities and then there are, there are contributors and then there are artists. And um, I'm a contributor right now, but I'm hoping to be an artist. Have you been affected by Hollywood? Sure. That, In what ways? Uh, I went through a time where I thought I was the man. How could you not? You know, I, 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 I went through a 10-year period of like hiding myself and making sure that nobody saw me. Um, mm. to making sure that everyone saw me because whenever somebody saw me, they had a big smile and a pat on the back for me. So I think uh, it's super difficult um, to not lose yourself. And there's and there's a there's myriad ways that it happens, right? It's like when when the thing with Ye first happened, I went. I made it very, I made a very deliberate point the next day to go on Instagram. And make sure that I directed people to Jason Wilson and the Cave of Adullam in, 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 um, in Detroit and what they're doing for the kids up there, just to make sure that I use it for something good. Now, what happened over the course of the next X, a couple of months or whatever, um, was that people would send me different videos, send me videos of black people mm. being beat up on buses, of uh, all types of different things like that. And they're like, yo, post this. 
post this. Like, have you seen what happened? Blah, blah, blah. Because I became like an advocate, like a warrior, right? And the reality is, is that that's like not me. Like talking about the conditions of black people is something inherent to me. But triggering black people every day, and this is not me coming at anybody who does this because people have to know what's going on. Triggering black people every day and triggering myself by images of black people getting fucked over, be it by the police, be it at the Waffle House, be it at wherever. It's not who I am. I wasn't doing that before. So why would I do it now? When you go to my uh, when you go to my Instagram, you're going to see like a, um, the whole canvas, the whole painting of who I am. Funny shit, dumb shit. You're going to see some things that I feel like the community should be aware of. And you're going to see some things that are, that are quasi-personal, but all away from like my personal life. You know what I mean? Um, and so I decided that rather than do that and try to get to a million, a million and a half, two million followers by putting things on there that would trigger people and over and over and over again, that I was just going to be me. I was just going to be me. Some of the shit was going to be stupid. Some of the shit was going to be, mm -hmm. uh, is, is going to have some outreach to it. And some of it was going to be challenging and wrong, but I'm just going to be me. And I think the, the the hardest thing to do once you've received any sort of notoriety at all, that's even if you're just on TMZ in LA, uh, when you move to LA, because the people I know from LA, I keep telling people this, the people I know from LA are super duper real. They're the realest people. The people I know from LA, they're real. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? People say LA is fake. It's like, nah, y'all came out here to be the prom king and and you guys are in Hollywood. You're really not even talking about LA. You're talking about between Santa Monica and fucking <laughs> you, know, you, you know what I'm saying? Really By the way, <laughs> you for you to say that is such bad. I say that. I so said, you come here. The people from LA are as honest as they can yeah. be. I love you for being like, I'm getting jacked. I'm like, no, I'm just being like, just what I feel. Like, I don't know any other way to be. Like, really, we, what I was trying I to say is, trying to, be well, to, to really be honest with you, it's like, I was trying to say to you, damn, Carrie, I didn't know you kept it this gangster. That's what I was trying to <laughs> say. That's what I was trying to say. But no, I guess my point is, and so when you come out here and it starts to happen, it, it's the most important thing to do is just, man, stay the course of who you are. Correct. Like, just stay the course of who you are. And because it's different. Everybody looks at you different. Like, when you're playing, in, you're playing basketball in the gym. After you've been here for a while, you're playing basketball for a at the gym and you see one of your homies in a commercial and you're like, oh shit, he got that commercial. And it's this weird little pecking order that starts to exist everywhere. And once you get on television, it really starts to come for you. People are like, oh, well, you must be doing, you're on TMZ every day, so you must be doing something, right? So now let me, so it's just weird. And so sometimes you can lose yourself in it and I try not to, but I did for a little while. Not you did for a little while. And by the way, that's an honest, I ask you that. I don't, and I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know outside looking in, but it can happen and it does happen. It's a, it's a real thing. You, um, and then, and also too, you start to lose patience with a lot of things. Like you start to demand or expect a lot of things that you normally wouldn't demand or expect. Very true. I, we just, we treat people differently. We act differently. We want differently. We just, we just behave differently and that's okay. And nothing is wrong with that. I don't want that to ever to be a slight, but I am fascinated when you use that word fascinated. I am fascinated by your trajectory. And I also am fascinated by how you chose to do it your way. Like you're still out here doing it all. So then you get, you get involved with this project, which ultimately, um, manifests into an Oscar an, uh, an Academy award. 
And you, and I remember you posting something and I'm thinking, wow, what a powerful moment. Just wow. Just wow. Like, I, I think maybe even our, our mutual friend, Boz, did Bozma post about a text that you guys had had, yeah. a text exchange you had? Yeah. Bozma St. John, shout out to my bestie. And I thought that was really powerful too. Talk to me about the moment that you won the Oscar, how it all came to be, um, the project that so, is. So Trayvon Free, like Nick May, Six Feet Over Productions, we are, it's, let's say it's late 2019, early 2020. We're meeting at Lawrence Bender's house. Trayvon was living at Lauren ben- Lawrence Bender's house at this time. So we're meeting at Lawrence Bender's house and we're talking about what we're going to do. Like we're gonna start a production company and we're gonna make a we're gonna make a movie or a television show. What are we gonna sell? We're gonna do so. It's pre-pandemic, so we would go there, um, and we would sit down and we would discuss this stuff. Uh, Nick, me and Nick had started to work worked working together. We had come on as executive producers on another movie called Uppity, uh, that was about Willie T. Ribs, the first black uh, stock car driver at the Indy Five Hundred. Um, Nick had helped me. His Avery Duvernay is his sister. He had helped me get Avery on my podcast. So me and Nick were were working together. I met Nick through Charlemagne. So, um, we're talking about all of this stuff. We're we're getting ideas together. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? The pandemic comes. Pandemic comes, and obviously there are no meetings. There's no getting together at Lawrence's house. Everybody stops. All of our hair grows out. We look terrible. Um, it is about. I'd say four four months. So it's, that starts in March. Maybe it's it's like it's July or June before we all get back together. We get there mm-hmm. with social distancing, you know. And by this point, everybody that's around the, that weird point where everyone realized that the pandemic wasn't going anywhere, but everything still wasn't yeah. open again. But we were still seeing sure. each other moving around, trying to go to dinner outside and all of that stuff. And um. We're sitting around and we're like, all right, Clay, so let's let's start moving again. And we're like, it's going to be impossible. It's like nothing that we can do. What are we going to be able to do? Uh, we're going to have to wait till after this is over to sell anything or get anything off the ground. So we're, we're kicking things around. Trayvon comes with this idea. And the idea was the uh, early idea that would become Two Distant Strangers. This is post-George Floyd now. Um, wow. And the feeling that we're all feeling is because people, we talk about George Floyd as if it existed in a vacuum. It didn't. It was Ahmaud okay. Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, yeah. like all happening together, not time-wise, but we were all learning about them at the same time. It was like this huge thing to where we've been inside for so long, our brains are going to fucking explode with everything that's going wrong right now for America, but specifically for Black Americans. And so he yeah. comes with this idea and he goes, when we come out of the pandemic, this is what we should do. And I was like, nah, we got to do it now. He's like, what? And I have to be honest about this. The reason why we all decided to do it now was two reasons. Number one, we knew that in the climate that we were in, that we could get this to the finish line. Done. And get mm-hmm. it. And, and, like, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and because there weren't as many productions and, and get significant buzz based upon the social, the, 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 the moment that we were in and the climate that we were in, right? If we okay. executed, I knew we could win an Oscar. That's why that, that's why that. You thought you could win an Oscar with a short? Oh, wow. Oh, Great. Okay. Go wow. And, go back and look at the, the text that I sent. That's it. I said, Bozama, 
Judge Bozema. Yeah, Bozema. The like the. Did it say Oscar on there? It said Oscar. Bozema, who we, who by the way, this is a, is a great pal to have in LA. She is amazing, and I was trying to get her to have them buy it or or help us, but she couldn't. She couldn't even she couldn't even read the script. Uh, she because it was um unsolicited material, and she was very professional about it. But was somebody who helped us all throughout the way in terms of coming to screenings, in terms of being just an amazing human being, right? An amazing Legit. human being. So, so uh, I, I told her, and I said, we're going to win an Academy Award for this. I said it right then. Not a day had been shot. Yeah, okay, you did. Like, like not a day had been shot. I said, we're going to win an Academy Award for this. So yeah, we, we do it, we execute, we get the award. And the night of standing there, being in a room with Jesse Williams, great friend, Puff was on that with us. <laughs> um, yeah, Kevin Durant. Puff's my guy. Don't kiki. I like Puff. <laughs> I know, was I not supposed to say what I was supposed to say? <laughs> Mike, Mike Conley, Kevin Durant, Rich Kleiman, everybody yep. that came together yep. to make it. It was just like, man, Carrie. It was like we just said, "Fuck it, let's do it." Shout out to everybody's at Rogers and Colin, Craig, everyone. It was like we said, "Fuck it, let's do it," and we did it, and we 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 did it, and. The thing about holding the Oscar was the whole entire time I was at TMZ, I enjoyed being on television. I enjoyed my coworkers immensely. Sure. Right. And, and so it's not like I hated it, but it wasn't inspiring. It wasn't anything that I thought, look what we fucking did. And that feeling, if you ever have that feeling, if you ever have that feeling, look what we fucking did. Not me. We. Look what we fucking did. If you ever have that feeling, it's just amazing. And sitting there, like, looking at that, when they called our name out, Kalika's there, like, we're, we're all together. I just, I couldn't believe that that actually happened. Like, I couldn't believe that it happened. You just gave me a whole entire sermon. And what you just said is so real. And I can relate to it on every single level. It's fine. It's all great. But what am I doing to really make change? And then you you get this great project done. And it was beautiful. And the genius of the casting. Mm -hmm. Like, I really didn't know Joey had that in him. Joey's that skill set. Like, it was... I, I was today years old. Yeah. I was just like, this was special. It was really special. And I... And... and um. And I don't know, I think that's a great way to end because you knew that, yes, while you may have had that one platform at a point where it seemed like it was all, end all, it wasn't inspiring. And you're, and you're changing lives. Like, you really are in opinions and you're a part of the culture. And I like you describing yourself as a popular contributor. You're that popular friend. Popular contributor. friend. You're the popular friend. I think, I, think that's, I think that's fair. And you're right about living in L.A. We just are like, okay, got it. Like, if anything, we're not trying to be in the scene and be seen. I see you a few times. I don't be in the scene. You don't. At all. I'll be honest I with you. People from here are legitimately the least Hollywood people that you will ever meet. It's so we weird. Like it. People who are from here. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you, y'all talking about L.A. people. Y'all never been to the GS. I don't go. Y'all never been to the GS. <laughs> y'all never, never been to the GS. I got. I got. I got. I appreciate. I gotta you. ask you one thing before I go though, because you, you, because you. Oh, no, let's talk. Yeah, if you want to talk sports, I, I literally manipulate. I literally only do like forty-five minutes to an hour. I took twenty-five extra minutes because we got into this conversation. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry, At, whatever. If you want to talk sports, I'm I here for all one thing. of that. I gotta ask you one thing about you. Go so ahead. Like, yes. When y'all gonna when y'all gonna kick the bucket on the Chip Kelly thing? 
Oh, gosh. I, I listen, and I'm bold about this, too. The AD never wants to hear it. I've told the AD over and over again. I was like, he's not the man. He's not smart. He's had his moment. It's come and gone. Go get a real, like, a hard-nosed SEC coach and offer him a ton of money. I was like, because... I honestly believe the division is weak. They are losing, they losing transfer. I mean, literally people are transferring all the time because they don't fool with Chip. Chip is always the smartest man in the room. They're going to win it this year. Why? Oh, they're going to win the division this year. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. You don't mean like a national champion. No, 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 no. I think, I think, I think UCLA is alive to win the division this year. I will, if they don't, it will speak more about who the coach is and then and than who the players are. Mm. You know what I mean? Because in this city where everyone wants to stay in LA or at least come to LA and be famous, people understand people understand the what it means to play here. So I I here's here's a point. All the time when when the Lakers are looking for a head coach, they're also looking for somebody who could step out of Mastros and be like, I'm with my boo. Yeah. The, they're looking for the slick shit, yeah, right? They're always but they took a page from Mick Cronin, who isn't slick, just hard-nosed, put my head down, I'm this big as a head coach for UCLA, and I'm about winning. I don't care about any of the other shit, which is why the players have done so well. Getting them over, getting them like-minded, the mentality and not being pretty to win is something totally different. Like, to go for the kill shot. Like, go take the game. Go take the game. Like, a lot of the guys that we recruit are do have this this Hollywood sensibility, and sometimes it's been given to them. They're not... I. I didn't grow up in Baton Rouge. I didn't have to fight for what I had to eat. Like, we don't, these guys we get, a lot of these guys are privileged that we get that play on the team. Like, they they grew up differently. And so sometimes, as you would say, you need a goon. And we need a couple of really just good goons on both, on basketball and football. Mick has been able to try to implement that. I, I, I'm not a fan of Chip. I just am not a fan of Chip Kelly. I work with him a few times. I don't believe him. I don't even know if he believes himself. And he is Shit. 100%. He is 100% affected by Hollywood. Well, you watch some of these coaches that come here, they are affected. They get here and they get lost happens. and they want to be famous. Happens. Right? Kicked our ass last year. It yeah. <laughs> I can't say shit. That kicked our ass. Fluke, I was there. Fluke. Fluke. I was, fluke. I was there. I, were you there? Did you go? Did Hell you go to the game? Yeah, I was there. Me and Rachel was there. Yeah. Me, Rachel, Kalika, and Brian, we went. I was there. Fucked over us. Like, it, I, very, they looked, I, I, I look, you were like, they're going to take it all. You was ready. I, I wanted them to because I wanted to believe, obviously, it we had a terrible it. season. Yeah. But I wanted us to believe. But so look, I, I I thought it was very interesting when they hired him. So I always talk to UCLA people about UCLA sports because I don't understand. I Like UCLA, obviously dominant in basketball and, all, and really, in, really in many sports, right? They went all In many sports. Yeah. In many sports. Yeah. Yes, in many sports. I think... I do believe that it's hard to obviously live up to the wizard. So Mick is good. He's no one's yeah. ever going to be John Wooden. And the and 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 the, and the script is get here and win. We're going to give you a couple of years, but get here and win. You can't just make it to the final four. That's fine. Keep doing it. Make it to the championship. Great. But did you win? And obviously, the last time they had a chip was 93, 94, 94 yeah. with Tyus Edney. Cameron, Cameron and, Dollar, Tyus Edney, Ed O'Bannon. Cameron Dollar, Toby ba- Charles Toby, Toby Bailey. Where's Toby Bailey? Yeah, Toby- <laughs> Toby Bailey's an agent now. Oh, is he? But you, you, yeah, he's a sports agent. 
but I, I, my school, it's different and I, and I respect, but it's a lot of money and it's a lot, and it's a lot of politics. You're talking about a school like that. It's a lot of politics and you know that, but it would be nice if they spent some major bread on somebody who recruited a bunch of, like a full, we need a few goons. We just need, if not a handful, I think the, the, we don't need the, you know, all the popular stars, sons mm. playing there, yeah. you know? Oh, you also know who's on that championship team and that you just mentioned in 94, Bob Myers who is now the GM and president of the Golden State Warriors. Never knew that. He never played. He never played. Not Well, he got in a, like trash minutes, obviously. He played trash minutes. But look at that. He, his career is arguably more successful than one Toby Bailey's yeah. or uh, Chris Johnson. Uh, like, yeah. I'd go down a list. Can yeah. you believe that? Isn't that crazy? No, Isn't that I, unbelievable? I never knew that. I always looked at him like he looks, yeah. looks weirdly in shape for like a GM dude. But like... It's, and super tall. Yeah, super tall. Yeah. So like, yeah. I just wanted to get your this use, is an interesting use, okay. use UCLA thoughts. Okay, so I adore you. Thank you for giving me no more time than you should of have. Course. You guys go out and get this book. I really, I, I, and I'm not just saying that. I'm fascinated with your intellect and I love your perspective. Fat, crazy, entire Van Lathan in the house, not to be confused with that other dude. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gary. So um, I hope you all enjoyed Van. He, I mean, he really, it's interesting. I have a lot of people in my life that I think that can go to level, to level, to level. And it's not about who's the smartest person in the room, although sometimes it is, but it is the art of understanding what you're feeling and being able to express your thoughts and opinions in a a very well-crafted way. And sometimes when you express your thoughts and opinions, that offends people. But Van has a way of being not necessarily neutral, but not necessarily offensive. It's just the truth. And if you follow him on social, which I think you do, it's funny. If you read his book, it's funny. You know what? Charlemagne told me this. They're really good friends, so it's it's apropos. He says, one day we're just laughing about something that was very sad in the culture. He said, Black folks know how to do trauma better than anybody else, meaning we really know how to laugh at our pain. Uh, uh, and that is why I think this book is fascinating. And I think that Van being very honest about something I don't hear a lot of men being honest about is special, especially Black men. Get the book. It's really something that we all should have, that we should be reading as women, that we should be reading as men, and that we should be telling other people about. And at this moment, I'm pretty tired. I've been overseas without my luggage, but I ain't complaining. Don't fool with Air France. Don't fool with Air France. Don't fool with Air France if you want your luggage. (laughs) I got mine, though. Just the last day of my trip. I'm gonna stop complaining, though. Stay positive, Carrie. (laughs) Talk to you guys next week. Bye. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. 
from breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.